NYBG's brand new online education program, Plant Studio, offers bite-sized courses tailor-made for you. Guided by plant professionals, dig into botany, floral design, landscape design, and more. Online learning your way. Register at nybg.org. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle. This is the Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. Admiral James Stavridis is the former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. You can follow him in social media at StavridisJ or go to AdmiralStav.com. Today at Smirconish.com, we have linked to an essay that he just published at Bloomberg under the headline, U.S. military's recruiting woes are a national security crisis. As a matter of fact, that inspired today's poll question, where I'm asking whether we need to reinstate the draft. This is Admiral Stavridis. Admiral, before I get to your essay, I'm eager to ask you about something else. There's a magazine piece published at Politico today that is bears the signatures of 46 foreign policy experts. Uh, you're not one of them. By the way, I went to the S's to, to see. But the headline kind of tells you everything you need to know about it. Ukraine needs a roadmap to NATO membership ASAP. Given that you're the former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, I wondered what your thought was. I think we're getting closer to the point where we should provide Ukraine a very defined, dated path into NATO. And the reasons are threefold. One, as they come out of this conflict, and they will, Um, They will be one of the most powerful, if not the most capable, land force in Europe. They don't have a big air force. They don't have a capable Navy. But their land power is going to be quite significant. Number two, they come out of it uh, deeply aligned with the West because of all the work we've done together in this Ukrainian battle. And then thirdly, uh, as we bring in Sweden and Finland and you look at the arc of the border of NATO, it just makes geographic sense to fit Ukraine in. So, Michael, we're very close. But why do I not believe we should bring them in like yesterday? And the answer is because we're in a hot war with Russia, as in Ukraine and Russia are in a hot war. If you bring Ukraine in and make them a full-fledged member of NATO, you are, in effect, declaring war on Russia on behalf of the NATO alliance. I don't think we want to go there yet, but the time is coming, and I would say it'll be in the next year or two when we get to an armistice. At that point, we'll be able to welcome Ukraine in forever. Okay, but to be clear, you would not. You would not advocate for Ukraine's membership in NATO until and unless this conflict is resolved. That is correct. And I think if you parse that letter carefully, the signatories come to the same conclusion. They're not calling for Ukraine to come in today or at the summit. They are calling for a 
defined membership action plan. I think we're very close to doing that. Let's talk about your essay in Bloomberg, and and many others are also writing on this same subject. Uh, we're celebrating a, a 50-year anniversary this week. I didn't understand that until I, I read in with your piece and the rest of the all-volunteer force. You've watched it through the years. You've got some family skin in the game in this regard. Offer us your thoughts. Uh, first and foremost, the all-volunteer force has been overall an immense success for the nation. And I'm old enough to remember the immediate post-Vietnam era when the nation had really turned against its military in many ways, sad to say. Um, We've overcome that, I think, as a result of bringing an all-volunteer force, getting away from the draft. Um, This all-volunteer force has fought the nation's battles around the world and done so credibly and with courage and determination. So that's the good news. The bad news, Michael, is that, as I outlined in the piece, we're seeing real storm clouds, real warning shots across the bow of this all-volunteer force. The Navy uh, it barely made its recruiting targets. We'll probably miss them next year. Air Force, uh, same thing. The Army, in particular, we ought to worry about a 25% shortfall this year, and they're going to try and recruit even more next year. So even as we celebrate this all-volunteer force, we ought to recognize Uh, We've got some work to do if it's going to continue to be successful. For you, you say the family trade was a foregone conclusion. Your father was a career infantry officer in the Marines, retiring as a colonel in 1970 after distinguished combat in Korea and Vietnam. I know, Admiral, that 80 percent of our recruits these days come from loosely described military families, and, and that pool is getting smaller and smaller. Consequently, fewer and fewer are sharing the burden of military service to the extent that it is a burden. I think you know what I'm what I'm talking about. So how do we expand that tent? Uh, Number one, we need to look at uh, targeting our recruiting efforts uh, to those who would have a propensity to serve. And we do that already, but doing it in an even higher degree. So using smart advertising and marketing. If we're losing market share and we're a company, we put more resources into advertising and marketing. We appoint, in this case, better admirals and generals to run those recruiting efforts. Number two, I think we need to expand the tent by looking at citizenship programs. We've done this in the past, particularly, for example, with the Philippines In the U.S. Navy, many of our most outstanding sailors come into the U.S. Navy and are on a path to citizenship as a result of doing so, volunteering for military service. There are certainly plenty of young women and men around the world who would be interested in a path to citizenship in the United States, notably from Latin America and the Caribbean. And third and finally, I think we need to focus on the veterans because the veterans are the ones talking to the potential recruits, making sure that life for a veteran is a good experience in our country. And that ranges the gamut from excellent medical care in our veterans' facilities to our veterans' benefits to the the simple act of saying thank you to a veteran, which happens a lot in this country. There are three things we ought to be doing and working hard to reverse the challenges we're facing.
Okay, missing from your list is the, the the D word that's in today's poll question. I'm asking, should the shortages faced by our military's all-volunteer force, is it time to reinstate a draft? Apparently, you say no. I say no. And I think that um, we ought to incentivize service broadly in the country. And that means all the things we just talked about, making military service not only a a good that people feel in their heart, but also something they feel reasonably well compensated and secure in doing. But Michael, as you know, and you and I have talked about this, there are so many ways to serve this country. Our police, our firefighters, our EMTs, our nurses in inner city clinics, our teachers, grossly underpaid in so many different ways, our uh, Peace Corps volunteers, diplomats, We had to look broadly at the concept of service, not trying to mandate with a draft, but rather to incentivize broadly this idea of service. I think that's crucial. One one last thought, Admiral. I I was shocked when I read the percentage who do not need a waiver, those who are 17 to 24 and wish to serve their country. Only 23 percent don't need a waiver the rest afflicted with obesity or mental health issues or substance abuse issues. Do we need, dare I say, to lessen the standards? I think we are going to have to look very specifically at each one of these standards and, um, and, and reduce some of them. Some we're not going to reduce entirely, but um, I think on a case-by-case basis, you mentioned a bunch of them. Education's another one. Ideally, would want everybody to be a high school graduate. We've had times in the military where we didn't have high school graduates, but we had standardized tests that gave us an idea about someone's uh, ability to do well in the military, even if they weren't that great in a classroom, for example. So I think that looking at standards is going to have to be part of this. But, Michael, we don't want to drop away from that overall overarching quality point that the all-volunteer force brings us, I think that's going to remain a standard. And final question, could we engage in a major conflict right now, given all that we've just discussed with the all-volunteer force? Absolutely. And, And I wouldn't want any listener to go away with any lessening of faith in the capabilities of the U.S. military and this all-volunteer force. It is, without question, the finest fighting force, deeply blooded in battle in 20 years in the forever wars. Um, This is a highly capable force, and I, I stand firmly on that ground. But the reason I wrote the essay is you can see the storm clouds gathering out there, We need to pay some attention in this particular zone. AdmiralStav.com, at StavreedisJ for more in social media. Admiral, thank you so much. I appreciate your thoughts. All the best. Talk soon, Michael. Bye-bye. Admiral Stavridis uh, inspired today's poll question at Smirconish.com. Should the shortages faced by our military's all-volunteer force, given the shortages, is it time to reinstate a draft? Uh, Jason Dempsey and Gil Barndoller also write about this subject. They did so for The Atlantic under the headline, The All-Volunteer Force is in Crisis. A half century after the induction of the last draftee, America's military faces tough choices. 
Listen to this one paragraph. The stark fact is that most young Americans can't currently serve and even fewer want to. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, just 23% of Americans aged 17 to 24 are eligible to enlist without a waiver. Obesity, medical and mental health issues, or a history of substance abuse prevent most of their peers from being able to serve. That's why I asked the question of whether those standards need to change. The switch to a new military health records system, MHS Genesis, is also making recruiting tougher by revealing the actual mental and physical health of recruits after decades of half-truths and fudged standards. The overall propensity to serve is even worse than the eligibility. Most of those who are eligible to enlist are currently enrolled in college. Just 9% of young Americans would seriously consider military service near the all-time low since the AVF began. COVID restrictions made it tougher for military recruiters to find and meet this extremely small tranche of young Americans. Online efforts have been a poor substitute for in-person recruiting. These trends have been exacerbated by historically low unemployment rates. Any perceived negative of military service is amplified when there are more opportunities to stay home and live comfortably. The result is that 2023 is likely to be the worst year for military recruiting since the AVF began. How can this get turned around? Is it time to consider a draft? What if it were a draft of national service and military service was just one component? We've had this dialogue before, but everybody owes what? A year or two? Given the shortages faced by our military's all-volunteer service, is it time to reinstate a draft? I don't know why. I've said it three times and I've bungled it each time. Let me, let me try it number four. Given the shortages faced by our military's all-volunteer force, is it time to reinstate a draft? Call me. I'm at the usual number, 855-486-1776. There's a lot there. The standards, the fact that 80% uh, are coming from military families. So time and again, it's the military families. But over time, through attrition, it's a smaller and smaller pool. Only 23% don't need a waiver. Everybody else does. Everybody else needs a waiver because of obesity or mental health or medical issues or substance abuse issues. How to turn this around. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. 
Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. TC, how are we doing on the voting so far? Heavy voting at the at Smirconish.com. Over 13,500 votes already. Given the shortages faced by our military's all-volunteer force, is it time to reinstate a draft? It's running 61% to 39%. 61% is saying, what do you think? No. Correct. Sixty, hmm. sixty, forty, essentially sixty, forty. Sixty. We like, we like to, you know, be specific. Sixty-one, thirty-nine. Uh, Kevin, you're standing by in Denver, Colorado. Greetings. What did you want to say? Hi, Michael. Thank you, new listener. Love the show. Uh, Thank you. I think part of the conversation that uh, should be talked about with the military recruitment is student loan forgiveness. Uh, that's one of the largest incentives for joining the military is future education or repayment of past education. And this past uh, decision, you know, definitely has impacts on military recruitment. So I'm not saying it, it should be or shouldn't be, but I think that's definitely a huge part of the conversation that just isn't happening in the dialogue right now. Yeah, I like it. I, I think that's I, I think it's a worthy I think it's a worthy way to approach both problems. Our uh, staff vacancies, staff vacancies, that sounds odd. The fact that we don't have enough who are right now enrolling and lots of young people who've got debt, it just seems like it's a, a no-brainer. Uh, Bozeman, Montana is Mike. Hi, Mike. What are you What are you thinking? Oh, thanks for taking my call. Um, as far as military recruitment goes, why would young people want to sign up and risk their lives for wars that don't really seem to be for our national security interests and seem to be just to protect special interests. For example, Vietnam, very popular. We should not have been there. Iraq, we helped Saddam Hussein and then all of a sudden turned on him and wanted to fight him. Then a second time, we lied our way in to fight him. Afghanistan, noble to go in originally, but we stayed there for 20 years. Who knows why we're in Syria? Why would you want to sign up? For, and oh, well, I should add one more Ukraine. But listen to what Lindsey Graham and people like that have been saying. It seemed like some of our leaders actually want us in a war in Ukraine. Why would you want to risk your life for that? So there's a paragraph in Admiral Stavridis's piece that I'm, I'm glad you're saying what you're saying, because I wanted to make sure I read this. He says, finally, the growing sense of political division across the nation is diminishing the young person's faith in America. This may be the most disturbing factor of all and one that ultimately defeats the all-volunteer force. The respect for the military overall still atop the list of the country's institutions has been dropping sharply. And then here's the data point that I wanted to bring up, Mike. Fewer than half of Americans, fewer than half, now say they trust the armed forces, down from 70% just five years ago, I think that to the extent those numbers are accurate, people are taking out on the military, on the rank and file, the poor decision making that you're referencing of taking us into places where, in retrospect, we never should have been. Well, I personally have nothing against the military themselves, but the leaders who determine what the military yeah. does, they right. had questionable decisions, to say the least. Yeah, I th- I think so. And I, I also wonder, I have no data to back this up, but I wonder if it's it's being more perceived as sort of red America's military than anything else. And and is that turning some people away? I don't know. Rick, you're in Iowa. Waterloo. Greetings. What did you want to say? Good morning, Michael. Do you remember some years ago when uh, Trump 
was walking through the veteran cemetery and supposedly said, well, these people were idiots and losers. You know, basically they couldn't get a job or whatever, how the reference was. I'm not sure of the authenticity of that, but it was on all the news. Might that have had something to do with enlistment rate? I remember, I, I want to say Germany. I'm, I'm not sure where it took place, and I know that there were there was a book or, or m- maybe multiple books of that sort of insider account that came out, so it, it definitely strikes a chord with me. Um, I remember, of course, when he said relative to John McCain that he respects the ones who didn't get caught. So, right. yeah, I'm sure I'm sure all of this plays a role. I'm sure all of this plays a role. But I do remember the, the reference that, that, that you're making at the same time. Uh, Miguel, Deptford, New Jersey. Greetings. What are you thinking today? Yeah, I just wanted to call up because, I, you know, I'm a former Marine. I was in back in the 80s, the early 80s. And I think that the, the, the Admiral's correct that you, you don't really want to bring back the draft because then you, you basically have the Vietnam situation where you've got a lot of people that you're forcing in the military that don't want to be there. And if you don't want to be there, I don't think you're going to give it your all, really. But I think the recruitment problem, a lot of it goes back to what these kids are taught. Because I, I think you were saying it the other when you're saying that most people don't feel patriotic, that one of the things I think I heard somebody say was that they don't teach. Uh, I don't even know that they have a civics class any oh. longer in oh. school. Civics. My, my, oh. my kids. My own kids, when they went to school, they didn't really get taught American history or civics. So you really don't have any pride or at least respect for what it is the military is protecting. And it isn't, you know, as somebody who was in the military and could have went to war if called upon, you're not going there and you're not joining because, oh, well, some politician says this or some politician. You're going in there because you have a belief in the system. And when you're in, you know, you want to, you know, do right by your buddies. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Maury, you're checking in from Savannah, Georgia. I appreciate that. On the subject of, of military and recruitment and the draft, you wanted to say what? Well, it seems to me that in the past, the military was a place you take a kid. And nowadays, everyone's got a job at the we get out of high school somewhere. You know, employment's so low. You don't need to join the Army anymore to get a job. Right. In other words, jobs are plentiful. 
So where in the past right. individuals would turn to the military because they, they had no other source of employment, those days, at least for now, are over. I think it's that, too. I think it's all yeah. of these factors. I think it's it's everything that's being identified by the by the callers. Carlton, you're in San Diego. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm just wanted to say, I, I think a lot of the callers are, are making good points, but the military has a, a lot of good things to offer. I mean, education, medical, training, um, housing. Uh, you can travel. I, I don't think people join because they want to go to war. Um, you know, and, and I mean, the military, military can be used to tackle a lot of those issues. You know, we got healthcare issues. Um, we got, you know, high education and all those things could be tackled by, by looking at the military in a different light other than saying, you know, it's, we're just going to war and, and tackling trying to go into all these different countries. It's also a great place for there to be a common denominator. I'm, I'm going to get to a story, Carlton, that is my lead story today in the newsletter. It's from the Associated Press, and it talks about the number of people who are moving to particular geographic areas. They use Idaho and Colorado, two states, as an example, because they want to be surrounded by the like-minded. And, the, you know, the one place where you can go and you can get a cross-section maybe not as much as you would in a, in a time of, of draft like World War II, but is the military where everybody is reduced to the same level and you're no longer divided by income or race or nationality or politics. You know, when you come in, you're all on the same playing surface. My, my father always made that point about his own Korean War experience. He got nowhere near Korea, but he was in Europe. And said that you know the relationships that he's that he made then, and the the understanding that he he took from of people from that era of his life could never be replaced. Stephanie, you're in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Greetings. What did you want to say? Yes. Good morning. So, um, in the early '90s, which, by the way, is Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. I've heard you mention that a few times on your show. So, in the early '90s, my nephew came to live with us. Had a little run in with the law enforcement. We had to go before a judge. I begged got, got the, the choice. That if he entered, <laughs> well, I I begged the judge that if he entered a branch of service, could we work this out instead of you know further punishment? And he agreed. And, judge agreed. Mm-hmm. Within right. thirty days, he joined the Navy. He is now retired from the Navy. He got his bachelor's degree while he was in the Navy, and. He's in his early 40s, so he can still go on and retire from another job. So, you know, we need to use the military to our advantage. And and a lot of parents, I think, are just letting their kids get away with stuff and go to college. Go to college. Well, you can go to college in the military. Stephanie, does that I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if you know the answer to this. I've, I've heard many, many times over the years, and I don't just mean here behind a microphone on air, but of stories, you know, as an attorney, I've heard stories of judges who, who gave that choice. Does that still go on today? Is anybody for a relatively minor infraction today being given a choice by a judge of either doing some small amount of time or go sign up? Well, it, it actually wasn't given. The choice wasn't given by the judge. It's a right. choice that I presented to the judge. Mm-hmm. And and of course he went along with it. So sure. I I don't know if because he doesn't live with us anymore. I I don't know if that's still an option or if people are even thinking about that. 
Um, but, I mean, for, like you said, a, a minor infraction, it changed this young man's life and molded sure. him into yeah. a great human being today. Totally get so, it. Uh, totally get it. Love it. Yeah. Lo- love the love yeah. the happy ending to that story. Thank you, Stephanie. Appreciate it very much. Uh, Melissa in Medford, New Jersey. What is the in- enlistment incentive suggestion that you offer? So <clears throat> thank you for taking my call. So similar yeah. to what Stephanie was talking about is that I absolutely don't think it's a great idea for reasons other people have said to reinstate the draft. But I do think that we could incentivize people to service in lots of ways um, in terms of how we build the incentives, you know, and it even ties back to education in schools. You know, why couldn't civics classes in high schools be taught by service members? Right. People who have that type of education and you could create a school to service pipeline, whether it's nurses who are needed, you know, in the military at times. And when they're not. And this is going to be a weird way to say it, but least back. Wait, you faded at the critical. Wait, wait, wait. You you faded at the critical moment. You said this is going to sound weird. And then we didn't get to hear what you said. Right. So nurses are needed Mm. everywhere now. Like you could do various types of service, teaching, nurses, all which could be used in the military in various places on bases and things like that. But when they're not in wartime or not needed, lease them back to the private sector where, you know, they can serve in community hospitals that are underserved or community schools that are underserved. And one of the ways that I think we could make this really attractive is install a basic minimum income for service. So anybody who joins the military starts out at $40,000 a year. If you're joining from a high-income part of the country, like a New York or a Massachusetts or a Miami or California, then your minimum basic income is slightly higher. If you decide you ultimately want to go to school while in the service and you earn a degree, then your basic minimum income goes up while you're in the service. There are lots of ways that you could build a structure that would make it attractive for, especially for people who don't necessarily think they want to go to college or can't afford to go to college without putting themselves in significant debt. I'm curious. Great living. I'm curious. What, what do you, what do you do for a living? I used to be in in the service industry, I guess is okay. what I'll say. But on the business side, it was in hospitality, okay. travel. Well, all right. but you, you've obviously thought you know thought this through and 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 come up with uh, with a plan. I I like it. I don't know if we could afford your plan. I don't know if we could afford not to do your plan. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. NYBG's brand new online education program, Plant Studio, offers bite-sized courses tailor-made for you. Guided by plant professionals, dig into botany, floral design, landscape design, and more. Online learning your way. Register at nybg.org. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, 
and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. <laughs> 